Hello, everyone. Welcome to World Health Purdue's Health Huddle podcast. Our mission for this podcast is to educate our members on global health issues and promote meaningful engagement in our societies through fruitful conversation, lifelong learning, and advocacy. My name is Ella Domingo, host of World Health Purdue's Health Huddle, and I'm a third-year Doctor of Pharmacy student here at Purdue University. Today, we have the honor of hosting Colette Vote certified holistic nutritionist and certified personal trainer as this episode's guest to teach us more about her role as a holistic nutritionist and perspectives on nutrition and holistic wellness. So thank you so much for taking some time to be with us today. And could you tell us a bit more about yourself in terms of your journey and how you got to where you are now? Hey, Ella, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here and kind of talk about all things health and nutrition with everybody. So yeah, my, um, my journey is really kind of anticlimactic. There's nothing really crazy about it, um, <laughs> but I'll go ahead and jump right in. So um, I played sports kind of my whole life. I was very active as a kid, one of those, one of those kids that had something that to do every evening, um, some sort of tournament or game every weekend. I was really never at rest or you know, took some time to just relax. And I liked it that way. It was fun. Um, I didn't really do it, you know, as most kids, I didn't really do it for um, the health aspect of it. You know, when you're a kid, you do it for fun and you do it because you're competitive and you're learning, you know, um, characteristics of how to be a team player and stuff like that. So that's kind of what I did. Um, And I kind of thought that, you know, like most kids do, I guess most teenagers that, well, as long as I'm active, I can kind of, you know, eat what I want and that'll, you know, the rest will take care of itself. Um, And I think that's really kind of how most people fall into that trap because the main thing is, is that, you know, in elementary schools and middle schools, you know, all the way up till college, there's not a single class on nutrition really in public schools. Um, And so even as, you know, as we grow into adults, we're kind of like, well, we don't really know what diet to follow. We don't know how to fuel our body properly for um, the tasks at hand. And so I kind of fell into that trap too. Um, one, thing's, one thing's for sure is that I did know, you know, going into college and I had to, you know, pick a route. I did know two things. I knew that I didn't like math um, and I knew that I liked food. <laughs> so I kind of put those two things together and I was like, okay, I guess that kind of leaves me with nutrition. You know, that sounds fun. It doesn't really require much math. Um, I like food. Let's just see where this goes. And so that's honestly how I chose my degree. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I I went to college at Texas Tech and um, kind of went into it almost half-heartedly, not really um, knowing what I was getting into. But I started to realize, you know, a couple semesters in college, things starting to change about me personally, about my body personally. Um, you know, they, they say the freshman 15 and stuff like that. That didn't quite happen to me, but I guess more um, more along the lines of like, I had started to have sleep problems. I um, My hormones kind of seems to become out of whack and a little more irritable and um, stuff like that. And so I knew that something was kind of off. I did gain a little bit of weight too. And I kind of realized, well, what is, what's is going on here? And then I, you know, come to the conclusion, well, I don't play sports as much as I used to in high school. I, um, 
obviously I'm not eating a great diet since I'm a college kid, you know, not eating off my mom's cooking anymore, which that was a saving grace. But so those things kind of slowed down and I kind of realized, okay, something's got to change about myself, especially if I am going to school to be a nutritionist, I might as well start to um, apply some of the things I'm learning and see if this is really, you know, a legit degree. And so that's kind of what I did. Um, And I started to realize that, yeah, this is, this is legit. Like I'm going to start to apply these things and I'm going to see if they work for me. And, you know, I did, I started to see, notice some changes like better sleep, better um, stability and just like overall health. And so that's kind of what really got me into it. It's just like, you know, you don't really get into something until you have personal experiences and to where you start doing your own research for yourself, trying to get to the bottom of things for your health. So that's kind of really what um, I guess got me down the rabbit hole per se. And so then since then, I've just kept researching and um, trying my best to just be well-educated, well-rounded with nutrition, with training, with exercise, you know, especially how they all work together. It's just so amazing how um, if you let it, they can work so beautifully for you, for your body. So now I currently, um, you know, long story short, <laughs> I currently work at a fitness club as a holistic nutritionist and personal trainer. So that's kind of where I am and how I got there. That's awesome. And first, I very much resonate with you on the no math, um, <laughs> why I chose. There's a little bit of math in pharmacy, but it's very mm-hmm. simple. Um, so agree with you on that. But I love how you tied everything together with everything that we do from our diet to how we treat our bodies, what we put into it, what we engage in, in terms of physical activity every single day, it all ties together. And it's really neat that you saw everything from class and you started applying it and you're like, there is something behind us, this, and it's working for me. And it really resonated with me just as a runner, because I can tell when I don't get enough sleep or I'm not taking in enough carbs or protein or what have you, I can see it in my times and uh, my performance as a runner. So it it all just ties together. You hit a little bit on the concept of having a sustainable diet. So what does that look like and how can we start thinking about crafting something that works in our lifestyle? Yeah, for sure. So I think the important thing to note is that you know, today's day and age, we're so inundated with diet culture and fad diets that we don't know what to follow anymore. We don't really even know what the word diet itself means. And it kind of has this negative connotation to it at this point to where diet, you know, you think of the word diet and you think, okay, well, that's just a temporary means to a goal. And it's not really something that's supposed to last. It's just something that I'm going to follow for some time being, and hopefully I can reach my goal. And then I can go back to how I was eating beforehand. And that's really not, not really how I like to think about it. Um, I don't like the word diet. So I really like to use just way of eating. Way of eating sounds a little bit more permanent and sustainable. Um, something that you can grasp and it's not confusing. Um, And I think the big thing is that we need to try to stay away from those fad diets. So what I mean by fad diet is, you know, your typical diets like keto diet, paleo diet, um, you know, there's millions of them. They come out with different ones every day. Um, There's really not a, you know, tried and true one. The, The thing is, is that it's different for everybody. 
you're not going to find a one size fits all for a diet. And that's the main thing that I want to stress is that it's not accurate to say something like, hey, if you want to lose weight, you got to follow the keto diet. That's going to help you lose weight. Or if you want to do, you can't go wrong with the paleo diet. I mean, you can't say, you can't say certain statements like that because it's not all encompassing diet. It's not, it's really not all encompassing. So everybody responds and reacts to diets a little bit differently. A low carb diet might seem great for somebody, but the next person that has the same body composition, it might not work well for them. They might have the same body fat percentage. They might have the same muscle mass. They might have the same stature and build but a low carb diet may cause that person to be low energy or irritable or feel hungry all the time. Whereas the person just before them who looked just like them, seemingly it worked great for them. So it's really not fair to say there's just one diet for everybody to follow and everybody should be following this diet. Not to mention there's certain phases of life that can alter what way we want to eat and how we want to feel our bodies. So Examples of that is pregnancy. So obviously if you're pregnant, you're going to be eating a lot differently than somebody who's not or breastfeeding or training for a marathon um, or bodybuilding or maybe recovering from an injury. So there are certain phases of life that will cause us to alter how we're eating. So that's another reason why diet can't be so just all encompassing and um, a one size fits all approach. So it's very confusing for people who don't devote their lives and their career to um, health and well-being. And, you know, they shouldn't have to. People should have a good understanding of what's healthy and what's not for them, but they shouldn't have to devote their career to it like I do. Um, I feel like we're just so hit with these fad diets and, you know, they're putting stickers on all of the food products like keto-friendly, gluten-free, organic. Um, and really, that's just a money-making strategy for the big food corporations. And it's really not something that we should place too much value on and rely on. It's really just a marketing gimmick. So I think the main thing to note is you're going to be different from the next person. Your diet cannot be the same as your friend. It can't be the same as your mom. It's going to be very unique and specific to your phase of life, um, your physical activity, what you're trying to accomplish with your goals, that sort of thing. Absolutely. So a lot of listening to what your body needs, what stage of life you're in, doing quality research and getting guidance on that. Um, sounds like a good process on crafting the diet that fits you personally. And speaking of another thing that is really important in a good healthy lifestyle is sleep. I know that impacts a lot of what we do in terms of just how we function throughout the day. If we don't get enough sleep, then we're going to be pretty much useless when we're trying to do our normal day-to-day -day tasks. So can you speak a little bit more on how sleep impacts a lot of what we do? So yeah, sleep is one of those things in health that I feel like is very um, underrated. It, there's not enough emphasis on how important it is. Basically to drive the point home about sleep um, is that once sleep goes out the window, pretty much everything else follows. And the thing about holistic health is that it's a domino effect. So once one thing kind of goes, especially something as important as sleep, 
often the rest kind of just follows suit and you find yourself with more and more issues. And then if you can, if you can trace it back to that root cause, it ends up being sleep. So sleep is so important. Um, and quality and quantity is just as important. You know, everybody's heard, you know, seven to nine hours of sleep. That's pretty um, common knowledge. But I think the part that most people don't really pay much attention to is the, the um, quality of sleep. It's not good to just kind of doze or it's not good to get a couple hours here and then wake up for an hour and then get a couple more hours. You know, you should really be in a deep restful sleep the majority of the night. Um, this is necessary for optimal, optimal nutrient utilization. So your body is utilizing the nutrients that you give it properly. Um, it's necessary for cell reproduction and for recovery, especially, um, for injuries and for, um, like exercise recovery, deep sleep is necessary for that, that protein synthesis to occur in the muscles. Um, and just to touch on some consequences that can happen if you don't get adequate sleep. So certain medical conditions like heart disease, diabetes, obesity, um, even certain cancers can all be traced back to the fact that your nutrients aren't being utilized as they should due to lack of sleep. So it all takes place at a cellular level. Um, another major thing that can be linked to sleep deprivation is hormonal imbalance, which you know hormones and, and stress and sleep and um, gut health are all like four things that really tie together and they're so closely linked that if one of them off, one of them is off, then um, all four of them are going to probably inevitably inevitably be off. So hormones are one of those things that, you know, it's something that you don't see. It's not like it's your heart or your brain or um, you know obesity things that you can see and that are tangible. Hormones you don't see them, so they're kind of another thing that's not really. Um, talked about a whole lot when it comes to overall health, but that is a huge one, especially as it relates to stress and stuff like that. So that's kind of um, the impacts of sleep and health and stuff like that. Right. And I think there was a period in my life where I was just really drawn to the impact of sleep on our lives. And I was doing some research and part of getting that quality sleep that you mentioned, that whole process is preparing for that earlier on in the day. So knowing what you have to do and putting your phone away, maybe putting it on your desk that's away from your bed or in a different room even to limit that exposure. Sometimes it helps me to wash my sheets <laughs> to just right. feel more comfortable, to turn off all of the lights. I cannot go to bed with any ambient noise. I know some people like having a TV on in the background, but I, your brain just needs to be off. It needs to recover. And all of those aspects of timing, when you're going to eat, putting on your favorite comfy pajamas, having a good, quiet, cool, dark room is really important for getting that quality sleep. So it's not just, oh, I got seven hours, but how was the quality? Did you get that deep sleep that you mentioned that needs, that we need for muscle repair and, and recovery from injury and all of that? So it's right. such a neat science and there's so many books out there that I would love to dive into one day. And just to bring it all home, could you go ahead, Colette, and tie all of what we talked about together? So a way of eating. I really like that phrase. I think I'm going to start using that more and it just sounds a lot better in terms of um, it's not a diet where you're trying to stick to something and then you 
go back to what you had before, but it's really just your lifestyle. So can you tie what we talked about in terms of a way of eating and physical activity? How does that all link together? Yeah, for sure. So I'm just going to touch on physical activity really quick. Um, the main thing I want to talk about with physical activity and diet is that your workout routine should kind of be structured to um, how you're eating or vice versa, I should say. You, how you eat should be um, tailored to your workout routine. So like for you, Ella, since you're a marathon runner and you like to do those long distance races, so you your diet really should mainly fo focus on um adequate complex carbs and stuff like that. So you want to make sure you're getting enough complex carbs, which the, those are the healthy carbs. Um, they're not like, you know, the cake cookie, you know, the bad carbs, but especially on the days leading up to your race, that should be kind of your main focus is loading up on those complex carbs, you know, like the rice and the um, whole grains and beans and stuff like that, so that you have the energy that it takes to um, sustain you throughout your long race. Um, and then also another thing for you is that once those carbs are depleted from your body, you want to have your body rely on fat next. So that's the body's second option for fuel is fat so that you kind of want that for backup. So once you've loaded up on carbs, you need to make sure that you get a little bit of healthy fats in there too. You know, the avocados, the almonds and nuts, the olive oils, um, even grass-fed butter is a great one too. So stuff like that, dairy is a great one um, so that you can have the right amount of energy to get you through the races. But on top of that, you of course need protein to make sure that your body's recovering from what it just endured on that long race. Um, we don't want to ever use protein as an energy source. That's kind of the body's last option. We really want that protein to go straight to the muscles to rebuild and to recover. So for a marathon runner like you, carbs um, should be kind of a, a really big focus for you. Uh, for people that aren't, you know, currently exercising for whatever reason, maybe they're recovering from an injury or, um, you know, there's various reasons that, that they wouldn't be exercising they can probably afford to consume less carbs. Um, they're not gonna need that energy to you know, fuel them through workouts, but they will need to rely on some healthy fats and some protein and stuff like that. So it just kind of depends, but as a general rule of thumb, the more active and intense your workouts are, the more you need to focus on carbs to fuel your body and also protein. So that's kind of just the very basics, kind of touches the surface on um, physical activity and how it relates to health. But I just wanted to mention some good complex carbs. I already touched on some a little bit, but quinoa is a good one. Um, oatmeal is a great one, legumes, beans, and lentils. And then, you know, fruits and vegetables are always a great source of carbs as well. Taking notes, because I'm like, am I doing this now? I'd say I'd say most of it I did, but I can definitely continue improving in that nutrition. I'll, I'll say consistently for half marathons. Oh gosh, you start dying at mile 10. Your body's just like, you know, I'm great. We're, we're putting in the work because we did the training, but those points in your races where your body just needs to bring all that home, it, it's all part of the process. We talked about a lot in terms of just staying healthy and active. So Colette, could you go ahead and just give us some of the final takeaways that you really want our listeners to hold on to from listening to this podcast? Yeah, for sure. So three main things that I would really like people to take away from this. Um, the first one being, and it's so important, is just to become more self-aware of your body and how certain foods make it feel. Um, 
you really have to have sort of that intuition and just that what they call mindful eating um, about yourself. So whatever you're, whatever you're fueling yourself with, whatever you're putting into your body, um, take the time to notice how you're feeling while you're eating it. And then some time after that, even a day after that or so. So just really become self-aware, self-aware of certain foods and how they make you react. Um, secondly, which we didn't talk too much about, but it's just a thing that I do want to touch on is to find your inflammatory trigger and remove it. So what I mean by that is basically everybody is inflamed to some degree. There's just really no way around it. Um, we're all inflamed to some degree just because that's the nature of, you know, our food sources and how things have come along as far as crop plants and stuff like that. So we're all inflamed to some degree and the five main um, inflammatory foods are gluten, red meat, sugar, dairy, and alcohol. So those are the five main um, inflammatory triggers. And that's not to say that, there, that there's no other ones. Like if you're allergic or sensitive to a certain food, then that's probably causing you some sort of inflammation. But I challenge everybody to just find their inflammatory trigger and um, try to remove it. So that might be doing an elimination diet where you start to eliminate one of those five inflammatory food categories one at a time. Um, so remove it for two weeks, you know, remove the gluten for two weeks. And then if you really take note of how you're feeling, if you're seeing that certain things aren't hurting you anymore, or you're sleeping better, you don't have um, seasonal allergies, you're not getting sick as much, gluten could be one of those inflammatory things for you. And maybe it's not gluten, maybe it's dairy. But um, I challenge everybody to just really find what's causing them inflammation and to remove it. And then the third and final one is to just not be afraid to experiment with your diet and to find what you thrive best off of. Um, Cause like I said, in the beginning, everybody is so unique. There's not a one size fits all and it's gonna take some experimenting. You're gonna have to figure out what makes you thrive. Um, and also I think a main thing that the media especially has, social media and just the media itself has put, in, put into our heads is that carbs are bad for you. Um, that really should not be believed or put so much emphasis on. Carbs are not bad for you. And I really think that they're all necessary. Carbs, protein, and fat, all of the macros are very necessary in a balanced diet. So not one of those should be removed all. They're all necessary. So, but don't be afraid to experiment with your diet. Maybe you do need a lower carb approach, or maybe you do need a lower fat approach, but none of them ever need to be removed completely. So that's what I challenge um, the listeners to do. Awesome. Thank you so much. And just tying all of that together in terms of holistic wellness, a lot of it of what we talked about is being mindful, being balanced, and finding what's best for you. So thank you for everything that you shared. And before we close it off, could you go ahead and share where our listeners can find you to learn more about this? Yeah, for sure. So I do have an Instagram page. It's called at Vote Holistic. Um, that's at V-O-G-T-H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C. That's just um, my account for all things health, all things nutrition, physical activity. I'm just kind of spreading the word on how to implement certain healthy habits, um, whether it's related to physical activity or whether it's related to nutrition and a sustainable diet. I just kind of want to put the word out there and help people, you know, no strings attached, just trying to um, 
spread factual information about health. Thank you so much, Colette, for all of the knowledge, all the wisdom that you shared with us today. And I hope a lot of our listeners can take this away and go ahead and find what works best for them and apply it to their way of living and their way of eating and their way of staying physically active. So to our listeners, give us a follow on Spotify. And that's all for this episode. Stay safe and stay well. And we will see you next time in our next health huddle.